Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, I'm so glad to be back with you again today on our Victory Church uh, weekly podcasts. Uh, It's Thanksgiving week. We have a lot to be thankful for. So I want to get right into my subject today. I'm going to read an article in just a moment. Before I do, don't forget to be a thankful person. Our nation is on the verge of absolute collapse in so many ways. I'll talk about that in just a minute, but just remember that we need to be thankful thankful to God for what he's done. Listen to what God said to the Israelites um, and a warning he gave them after they had been blessed. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8 verses 10 through 18, New Living Translation says, when you have eat your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, You do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and your flocks and your herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Verse 14, Deuteronomy 8, do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did this so that... He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he has confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. For uh, uh, a year now, we've been praying regularly at Victory Church here on Tuesdays and Thursdays for uh, a revival in our nation. We are losing our nation very rapidly. I just recently came back from a ministry uh, uh, trip where um, I was was in meetings uh, with other fellow pastors uh, and the person overseeing the meeting mentioned that we are really on the verge of losing our nation. He said the next thing coming is Marxism and communism. And he said, you don't really realize how close it is uh, in encroaching and overtaking our nation. And friends, if we ever needed to pray, we have so many enemies in America today. We need to pray and we need to believe God. This is a time for evangelism, for revival, and for removing of the Spirit of God. But since we're celebrating Thanksgiving, this is a, a, a religious holiday that other nations look at and say, wow, and uh, it's distinctly religious. So let's talk about it. Uh, and I came across this um, this article by Brandon House. Now, he has uh, he has a, a great website, uh, Worldview Radio worldview tv and he's got articles and all this but i came across this uh a number of years ago and uh, i want to i want to read this to you actually i came across this in 2011 and posted this article on my on my um 
on my blog uh, post section. But listen to this. Uh, let's see how far I can get today. I hope I can get through this. Just want you to read this article. It's very well written. And uh, it's, um, it's challenging us to uh, come back to the roots of our nation and the roots of our faith. If not, we, we, uh, we could lose our freedoms, our liberties. And so just listen to this in the context of this being Thanksgiving week. The title of this article is called Religious People Versus a Godless Government by Brandon House. Again, America is a crossroads and the path that is chosen will have a lasting impact on the future of this nation. We will continue to see a downward trend in our nation's morality as long as citizens continue to permit the only accepted form of bigotry permitted today to continue, religious bigotry. Americans need to stand up for and reaffirm the faith of our fathers. Today, a civil war rages in Congress, in the courts, and in our schools. Why do I believe that this battle for religious freedom will so greatly affect the future of this nation? Because as a nation, we can only embrace and govern on the basis of one of two worldviews. We as a people will either embrace the Christian worldview or the secular humanist worldview. There is no middle ground. This is not a new battle. In fact, it's been ongoing since the Garden of Eden. This conflict of the ages has always been between what is right and what is wrong, what is just and what is unjust, what is good and what is evil, what makes men free and what makes them slaves. The Christian worldview was the basis and foundation on which the founding fathers built the United States of America. Lenin, however, used the secular humanist worldview to base his ideology. Um, Fedor Dostoevsky, Geski, in his book, Crime and Punishment, wrote, If God is dead, then everything is permitted. If there is no God, then humanism, which is based on the belief that man is God, is the moral standard. In other words, man can decide himself what is right and what is wrong through a relativistic, humanistic worldview. If, however, there is a creator, as America's founding fathers believed and wrote in the Declaration of Independence, then man is not God and is subject to set standards as prescribed by the creator. Man is also obligated not only to live, but to govern in a manner consistent with God's laws and standards. The standards prescribed by the creator are spelled out in the most important book of our Western country culture, the Holy Bible. Those who believe in God, the creator, and his moral standards of right and wrong, or the Ten Commandments, are embracing the Christian worldview either knowingly or unknowingly. Those of us who believe in God and seek to follow and live out the Judeo-Christian faith realize that we are not the minority that the media and cultural elite would have us to believe. Gallup surveys over the past two decades reveal that fully 85% of Americans consider themselves to be following the Christian faith. On the average Sunday in America, 106 million attend, Americans attend church. Americans need not apologize to the cultural elite for their religious convictions, no matter how strong, indeed. If it was a group of gun-toting, church-going Christians who gave us the greatest nation on the face of the earth. If you doubt me when I say that this nation was founded on the Christian worldview by people who considered themselves to be following the Christian faith, then you do not know the facts. 
Dr. D. James Kennedy in his book, Character and Destiny, um, provides interesting data about the people who founded our nation. And this is the quote, as late as 1776, fully 98% of the people in this country professed to be Protestant Christians. 1.8% said they were Roman Catholics and 0.2% said they were Jewish. Now, if you add those numbers up, you will find that 99.8% of the people in this nation declared themselves to be Christians. As, as an indication of the beliefs of all 13 colonies at the time, the Constitution of the state of Delaware required that all office holders swear in public, quote, I do profess faith in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be given by divine inspiration, unquote. In 1892, the Supreme Court ruled in the case Church of the Holy Trinity versus the United States that, quote, our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in this sense, and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. This is a religious people this is historically true. From the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation. We find everywhere a clear recognition of the same truth. These and many other matters which might be noted add a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation, unquote. Again, in 1931, the United States Supreme Court declared in the, in the case of United States versus McIntosh that, quote, we are a Christian people, unquote. And in 1952, even the liberal justice William O. Douglas declared from the bench that, quote, we are a religious people and our institutions presuppose a supreme being, unquote. Who gave us liberty? Next section. In, in 1774, while serving in the Virginia Assembly, Thomas Jefferson personally introduced a resolution calling for a day of fasting and prayer. Later, while serving as the governor of Virginia from 1779 to 1781, Jefferson decreed a day of, quote, public and solemn thanksgiving and prayer to the Almighty God, unquote. Engraved on the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C., are these famous words by Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence and our third president. God who gave us, li uh, us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God? that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. We must commit ourselves as a nation and as a people to the convictions of our Christian worldview. John Adams, who served as our nation's first vice president under George Washington for eight years and then as 
the second president of the United States, so believed in the relevancy of the Bible that he wrote the following in his diary on February 22nd, 1756, quote, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their own law book and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow man, and to piety, love, and reverence towards Almighty God. What a utopia! What a paradise would this region be, unquote. John Adams also said, quote, we have no government capable of dealing with an irreligious people, unquote. In other words, those who disregard religion are disregarding what makes America, America. I could fill hundreds of pages with quotes from our founding fathers proving that they both publicly and privately believed in and possessed the Christian worldview. Many of our founding fathers were convinced that as long as we as a nation held on to and protected our Christian heritage, we would flourish. Likewise, they also believed that if we denied and rejected our Christian heritage, it would be the death of this nation they so loved. George Washington wrote, quote, We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained, unquote. He also wrote, quote, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible, unquote. Benjamin Franklin wrote, quote, Whoever shall introduce into public affairs the principles of primitive Christianity will change the face of the world, unquote. On June 20th, 8, 1785, James Madison wrote, Religion is the basis and foundation of government, unquote. Several years later, on March 4th, 1809, President James Madison said in his inaugural address, quote, We have all been encouraged to feel in the guardianship and guidance of that almighty being whose power regulates the destiny of nations, unquote. It is overwhelmingly clear from these few examples that our founding fathers knew just how important it was to the pres preservation of our nation that our Christian heritage and foundations not be eroded. Even though our founding fathers knew how important our Christian heritage was, and with a 99.8% Christian majority, still a state religion was not mandated. Our founders wanted freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, as the liberals claim. The founders did not want our nation to deny its heritage, but they wanted everyone to be free to practice and express their religious convictions and beliefs. Here's the next section, the separation myth. The wall of separation between church and state is a myth. In recent years, this myth has gone from protecting us from a state-mandated religion to denying people their constitutional right to practice their religion publicly. The ultimate result of the myth of separation has been the creating of a state-mandated religion, best known as humanism. In two different cases, the United States Supreme Court has written in footnotes to decisions handed down that humanism has a religious tone. Today, this religion is not excluded but promoted aggressively in our nation's government 
schools at your expense. My friend and mentor, Dr. D. James Kennedy, put it best when he said, quote, the idea of separation of church and state has been abused by judges and juries for the past 50 years. But one thing is undeniably clear. If teachers in public schools can't teach Johnny about Christianity, and if they can't say that Jesus Christ is alive today or that faith in God is a good idea, then they certainly cannot teach their students the exact opposite either, unquote. Yet our schools continue to promote and teach the humanist religion that denies God as the creator and sets up man as his own God. Despite what the uh, liberal uh, American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, says, the religious foundation of our nation gave more liberty to everyone, not less, as they would have us believe. Our founding fathers did so for good reason. They knew the lessons of history, as Dr. D. James Kennedy writes, quote, History teaches that great nations are seldom, if ever, destroyed by invaders or other outside forces. Wars and invasions may be involved in their final collapse, but nations fall because of compromise of their own funda foundational beliefs, loss of faith and the values that made them great, and the lawlessness and disorder that arise as a result. Unquote. Public schools are now governing schools that forbid the posting of the Ten Commandments. Bible reading, even from a historical standpoint, is prohibited and prayer is banned along with any Judeo-Christian symbols. We have compromised our foundational beliefs as a nation and a people, creating a society on the verge of moral collapse, one where crime is rampant in our streets, babies are legally murdered in their mother's wombs, and divorce is as common and easy as ordering a pizza. Next section, safety net or hammock. Part of our Christian heritage has always been personal responsibility and morality. With these two characteristics missing, America has become a welfare program out of control. Unwed mothers are financially rewarded for having more, than, more and more children out of wedlock. Couples who get married and have children are assessed a heavy tax for simply choosing to do the respectable and responsible thing. Untold numbers of welfare and entitled entitlement recipients are having their immoral, their immoral and irresponsible lifestyles funded by a government that has chosen not to hold individuals to a high standard of personal responsibility and decency. Psychologists and other misguided professionals only worsen the problem by discovering a new disorder, a disability, for every negative human failing. Sure, uh, there are those who have problems and disabilities, but such, a, but such real problems end up being ignored or taken seriously by the general public because of an overuse of psychobabble terms and victimization, grouping, and labeling. This nation is being destroyed from the inside. How much longer can our nation continue down this road before we realize the damage we are doing is increasingly irreversible. America needs to commit itself to the heritage that made it great, a heritage that was clearly based on a Christian worldview, a strong faith in God and his moral principles and a standard of hard work, personal responsibility, right and wrong, good and evil, just and unjust. Certainly we need to have compassion, but today's welfare programs are based 
not on compassion, but on socialism. At times, there are those who need a little help to get back on their feet. But as one talk show host has said, quote, the safety net has turned into a hammock, unquote. There is a clear difference between compassion and encouraging and rewarding irresponsibility, immorality, and laziness. The next section, rights without responsibilities. The same individuals who scream that you and I are not compassionate enough are the same group of, of liberals who have been behind cases where compassion, understanding, and the protection of constitutional rights has been extremely absent. The rights of many Americans, which are so basic that the framers of the Constitution call them self-evident, have been denied yet. Yet, if you and I are in favor of welfare reform, we are accused of depriving certain individuals of their so-called rights, even though these rights are not guaranteed or protected by the Constitution. As Dr. D. James Kennedy has written, uh, today's young people, quote, have been taught that their heritage of freedom gives them plenty of rights, but very few responsibilities, unquote. Liberals who steal our constitutional rights are hailed by the liberal press as being advocates for equality. Yet, when a conservative tries to defend the Constitution and limit special privileges and treatment for a few, which is oftentimes not in the best interest of the majority, we're called mean-spirited hate mongers. In some cases, states and or federal government has aggressively attached and attacked and harass conservative groups or individuals with audits, lawsuits, and threats. Often such harassment is leveled at those who have with great strength and courage dared to stand up and defend the Christian worldview on which this nation was built. Why should America be forced to become a secular nation when the majority of Americans are not secular in their religious beliefs? In addition, there is, uh, there is nothing beneficial about being a secular nation. In fact, history proves that it's detrimental to the future of a nation to reject certain principles and standards just because they can be traced back to a religious foundation. Time Magazine published a cover story on December 9th, 1991, titled One Nation Under God, in which they asked the question, has the question, has the separation of church and state gone too far? The writer for Time obviously felt it had when he wrote, quote, For God to be kept out of the classroom or out of America's public debate by ner nervous school administrators or overcautious politicians serves no one's interest. That restriction prevents people from drawing on this country's rich and diverse religious heritage for guidance. And it degrades the nation's moral discourse by placing a whole realm of theological reasoning out of bounds. The price of that sort of quarantine at a time of moral dislocation is and has been far too high. The courts need to find a better balance between separation and accommodation. And America... Americans need to respect the new religious freedom they would gain as the results, unquote. Religion plays an important part in every nation's history and destiny, as D Dr. D. James Kennedy explains in his book, Character and Destiny, quote, every nation that has ever existed has been built upon some sort of religious foundation, whether it is the Hinduism of India, the Islam of Saudi Arabia, the Confucianism of China, the Shintoism of Japan, the Judaism of Israel, every nation 
has had some form of religious commitment that contributed to its greatness. But while the government, the courts, the ACLU, the Liberal American Bar Association, and the trial lawyers of America are doing everything in their power to strip away our moral values and religious rights, the government is stripping Americans of property, their income, their, self, their rights of self-determination, and ultimately their hope in, for the future. That is exactly where we find ourselves today. Again, that article was written by Brennan uh, Howe, and it's a, a, actually, I really enjoyed the article. House, I'm sorry, Brennan House, and it's entitled A Religious People Versus a Godless Government. And here we are as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. We are on the verge, literally, of losing our nation and we just don't realize the perils that are ahead of us unless we change our course. We have what we have because of the blessings of God, because our forefathers chose to honor God, honor his laws, respect the Bible, value the Ten Commandments, and seek to guide our nation as a whole in the precepts of the Bible and of Christianity. Friends, we have lost uh, in general our moorings as a nation, and we are sliding into uh, an oblivion. I don't know what else to say. And friends, we as believers need to pray. Jesus called us salt. Jesus called us light. I would really invite you to um, come to our prayer meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays if you're in the Raleigh area from noon to one. We're praying for America for another great awakening we're praying for a move of the Spirit of God worldwide. We're asking God for His direction, help, and aid. And I encourage you to come. As you celebrate Thanksgiving this week, I encourage you to take some time to pray for our once great nation. We are failing. And unless Christians stand up, we don't have a snail's chance in a salt mine. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I, I pray with those that are listening today, that, Father God, you're, you're, we ask, number one, for your mercy, not your judgment. Lord, I pray, we pray for a move of the Spirit of God. We pray for another great awakening. May believers in this nation and every person listening to this podcast, may we, may we wake up. May our consciences be strong. May our voices be strong. And may our spiritual life come to the forefront of all we are. And Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Let the mercy of God come once again upon this nation. Let there be a spiritual awakening, I pray. Lord, as we gather with family and friends this week to celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy, let us always remember your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his shed blood. Thank you for your precious, holy, written word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our teacher, our helper, and our guide. And Lord, thank you for walking us through the time of darkness that is in our future and giving us wisdom to let our light shine brightly in the name of Jesus. Well, God bless you, my friend. Can't wait to, wait to talk to you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, 
If you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.